Welcome to the Resources Podcast from the Glade Church, where we equip and empower our members to grow in their faith and engage thoughtfully with the issues of our time. I am your host, Mark Satterfield, and I am so excited about today. I've got a great friend in here with me, Bill Craig. What is going on, man? Hey, Mark. It's great to be with you today. It's exciting to be here for this podcast. Man, I'm so excited that you're able to uh, uh, jump in on discipleship. That is our topic today. And uh, before we jump in, I would love for you to be able to just share a little bit about yourself. And I'm going to tell a story about you here in a minute, but give us just give us a little bit about yourself. That makes me nervous because I've <laughs> known you a long time. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I've been concerned with discipleship my entire adult life. Mm. So um, I went to uh, college at the University of Miami and uh, was working on a music degree because I wanted to serve churches doing music ministry and probably education ministry, we call it in those days. You might call it uh, Christian education or discipleship pastor today, something like that. And I thought pretty sure, even at a very young age, before 21 even, that I was headed that direction. So I went to seminary, served a church in Indiana and then in Arkansas, and and I ended up being the senior pastor at that church in Arkansas. But even during that time, I was already thinking about the discipleship of people that's broader than even the people I had there in the congregation with me. Hmm. So I was writing uh, for Lifeway. It was the Sunday school board at the time, writing Sunday school lessons and devotional materials and articles about preaching and worship and things like that, because I I felt like if we had an opportunity to share uh, the ministry beyond what I was doing in that local church, it would help people Mm -hmm. uh, with the job of discipleship. So I've been really interested in that all along. Really, the reason I came to Lifeway uh, almost 35 years ago was because I wanted to help develop Bible study materials, sort of the core uh, resource churches use to do discipleship uh, with lots of their members. So mm. uh, I was committed to doing that, and that's what I came to Lifeway to do. Yeah, and so, you and Sarah, you guys have been at the Glade Church for how long? We've been here at the Glade Church probably um, seven, 16 or 17 years. I can't remember exactly when we came. Could We transitioned. We had been uh, members at another church in the Nashville area, and we actually moved out towards the Glade Church because we had heard so much about the Glade Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had friends that had been here on staff, Doug Merritt a long time ago, and I knew Bruce Grubbs from Lifeway. And I told Sarah, hey, I want us to go visit this church. Yeah. And we drove out here and it still seems like it's out in the country, but we're talking about it was in the middle of nowhere, right? That yeah. four-way stop, and there's nothing else around. Mm. And Sarah looks <laughs> around and is like, we're going to go to church here. I said, just wait. Just wait till you go inside. And we attended worship, and we haven't looked back a day since then. So, wow, that's—yeah. Uh, that's awesome. And you guys have been involved in this church in so many different ways. You you both lead in—, in all kinds of ways, specifically with Sarah, she uh, she has led and is participating in quilt ministry, right? Which is an amazing ministry. We send quilts really all over the world. We do. 
Yeah. That is interesting. That that's a whole interesting story we ought to tell someday. Mm-hmm. But she, at the time the Glade was doing a lot of affinity groups mm-hmm. to do evangelism through groups to reach people in neighborhoods. And Sarah just got interested in I could reach young young women who have a sewing machine, who've always wanted to know how to sew. If we could just get together, I'll tell them, well, this group is going to teach you how to use your sewing machine to sew, and it's an opportunity to introduce you to some other people from the Glade at the same time. So they were meeting once or twice a month at our house doing that. When somebody came and said, there's this need we need a quilt for, could you all make a quilt? Well, they had no idea what they were getting into, and it just went, you know— uh, gangbuster since then. Right. And you are you have served in so many different roles here at the church. You uh, you actually helped with adult groups for a season, I, right? Yeah, I was on staff uh, right after we came. I didn't come expecting to be on staff, mm-hmm. but uh, Bruce and Craig Webb asked me to join staff and work with older adult groups. So I worked with the senior adults a little bit and with older adult uh, groups and did some group training in those days to help move our Sunday morning groups into uh, better practices for what we were doing. Um, I've also done, uh, I, I, I told Bruce my responsibilities at Lifeway got to be more and more, so I, I felt like I couldn't continue to be on staff and really give the amount of time I needed to the work. And so I told Bruce that uh, I needed to resign. We weren't going anywhere, but I just didn't feel good about being on staff when I couldn't give the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and a, maybe a year later, it was like, I should go back on staff because I'm doing more now than when I was on staff. Because <laughs> I was a deacon and on one of the committees and yeah. uh, leading a group on Sunday morning. It's just a really busy time. Right. And we've, we've always tried to stay connected to the church that way. Yeah. Now, um, so thankful for uh, your leadership here. You 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 teach on Sunday mornings. Uh, you you guys lead uh, a group that's on campus, and you've had that for years. And then you also, man, you helped me out in a tremendous way. One is uh, you've been such a, a wonderful pastoral counsel to me, and uh, I take advantage of that as much as I can. And then also you preach on Sunday mornings, and so this summer you uh, you preached a couple times for me back to back, which was such a huge blessing. But you preach a number of times uh, for us throughout the year. You do a phenomenal job with that. And so, is there anything at the church that you have not done? Well, uh, Philip let me play piano a couple of times, so oh, it really? was great to participate yeah. in the worship uh, team. They're such a great worship team. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's fun to do that. Um, Sarah worked with uh, preschoolers when we first came, and so I even sat in with some of the preschool classes early on in my days. Uh, That's definitely not my gifting Uh uh, to be with preschoolers, but uh, (laughs) the Lord confirmed that as I spent some weeks in there with her. Yeah. Well, we've known each other since, I want to say, 2000, uh, when I came aboard at Lifeway, and uh, there, uh, I'd moved into a role where I was uh, supporting marriage and family, specifically events. And then the way that our work uh, 
uh, kind of took off. We were bringing in authors and we had marriage studies and uh, there's great work there that was being done. And so uh, I remember specifically uh, one particular day uh, because we were having all these great conversations with churches and we needed a marriage and family strategy. And I had written down on this little scratch sheet of paper, a marriage and family ministry strategy. And I gave it to you. I can't even remember specifically the context. And uh, I think it was like several months later, I showed up in your office and I see that little paper on your desk, you know? And so it's just like that reminder. And uh, that made me feel so, so good. Uh, nobody like me, you know, just trying to speak into uh, us doing, doing something there that uh, we were supporting churches yeah. uh, in a way that uh, we were strengthening marriages and families. And so that was uh, a wonderful time for me personally. Christine and I really enjoyed our time there. And uh, you were, uh, you were one of those key leaders that invested in us. And I'm super thankful for that. We miss you at Lifeway. But Glad you're here. Yes, and glad to be here. And we're talking about discipleship today, and uh, that's an intimidating term. Uh, you know, you and I, we uh, we probably have a number of conversations, whether it's with church members or even for you, you know, with pastors and stuff, where uh, you know the idea of of what a disciple is and discipling others can seem daunting or intimidating. And uh, I, I have a number of conversations with church members that, you know, they'll come up to me, whether it's at the end of the service or, you know, it's just in regular conversation. And they'll say, man, I know what the scriptures say. I know that I should be discipling, uh, but I don't really know what that looks like. Or I haven't been discipled. And so if I haven't been discipled, then what does it look like for me to disciple someone else? And so not only is there confusion, but there's also just a, a lack of understanding around it. And I think this conversation comes up at a time where uh, churches have not pushed on the cost of discipleship. Yeah. You know? Right. I, I agree. Um, it's a big issue in lots of churches. People, pastors don't know how to disciple because they've never been discipled, which is hard to imagine. You know, God has called this young man to be a pastor uh, out of a youth group, maybe, and he went to college and seminary, but nobody ever walked one-on-one -on -one with him, discipled him along the way. And so he doesn't really know how to multiply himself as a disciple. And when he starts talking to his congregation about a disciple and when he starts preaching about what Jesus says about the cost of discipleship, mm -hmm. uh, people just aren't ready for that conversation. They don't know what it means. What does right. it mean to be a disciple? What does discipleship mean? And what does it really cost? It's, I mean, in the United States, we're we're a Christian nation, you know, right. aren't we? And shouldn't this be, uh, it should be natural for us to be Christians, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not exactly what uh, Jesus has called us to, yeah. right? I've, I've made this statement to our church uh, a couple of different times. For for many of us, we could easily treat Jesus as this life insurance policy. We made this decision way back in the day, and because of that, whether it's at an event or at the end of a service or whatever, camp, uh, because of that, then I'm good, and now I can live however I want. And that's not discipleship at all. That's not that that can be uh, an experience, but um, based on that, that's not really salvation. What we see in a profession of faith, there is a surrendering to Jesus and His Lordship. Then out of that, uh, now there's this daily 
following of him. And so I really like what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says about this. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Hmm. And so uh, when you hear that, uh, some may think, well, that doesn't sound very exciting, you know, right. but it actually is. Um, you you are following Christ. Uh, you are living a life for him. And so um, the term disciple actually means learner, follower. Right. And so with that, uh, you're following Christ. You are learning from Christ. And so what uh, what would you say to that, uh, the person that's listening, that's struggling with understanding what it means to be a disciple? And then here in a little bit, we'll get to what it means to disciple someone else. Yeah. So to be a disciple means to follow Jesus. You just said that, to be a learner of Jesus. I said this in a sermon when I preached for you a few weeks ago. Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow me, so if anybody wants to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, take up your cross daily and follow me. To follow Jesus means to walk in his steps, to do what he's doing, to imitate him, to uh to live a life that is reflective of the life that Jesus has lived. Paul even said, imitate me while I imitate Christ. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that is the role of the disciple is to follow Jesus. But notice Jesus says right there at the beginning, he says, take up your cross. That's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer's getting at yep. when he says, uh, come and die. Because Jesus is saying to disciples, when you surrender to me, when you're following me, then the value I have is to do whatever it takes to bring the gospel to the world, the good news that, that God loves you. And the good news that I'm here to bring to the world is a, a message that says, when you're following me, you give up your personal uh, desires, your personal mission, your personal a space in order to serve the kingdom of God, in order to serve me. And the way I've lived my life, I'm going to the cross. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the way my disciples need to live their life, ready at any moment to say, for Christ, I'm, I'm ready to face anything, including death, uh, in order to portray the love of God to the world. Right. You know, Matthew 4.19 says, uh, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And so uh, I've heard this mentioned several times, like there's a, an analogy there where it's, you know, you're making a head decision and then there's uh, a hands level change. There's a heart level change and there's a hands level change, right? And so you have you have head, heart and hands. And so you are you're making a decision to surrender to Christ uh, Christ is now, uh, he, he is, uh, uh, you're living uh, your life for him. He's, uh, you're surrendering to his lordship. And then there's a change, there's a heart change right there. Um, what do you think uh, in terms of the heart change? What's taking place in that believer's heart as he or she's following Christ? Yeah. You mentioned this uh, Sunday night. We were together for a group's meeting Sunday night. You talked about the rich man who comes to Jesus and he wants to know, what does it take to follow you? That's really the root of the question he was asking. And uh, Jesus tells him, sell everything you have, give it away to the poor and follow me. 
and the rich man goes away sad. Why mm. does he go away sad? It's it's not because Jesus told him to give everything to the poor, but his identity is wrapped up in the stuff that he has, right. in his wealth. And so a surrender of the heart to Jesus is to say, whatever my identity is, whether it's wealth for me or power or the friends I have or the pursuit of my work or whatever that thing is that's my identity is now going to be an identity that is shaped first by what Christ's demands for my life are. And my identification with Christ is so much more important. So I surrender my will Mm -hmm. to his will. I give my desires to be his desires. And uh, that's that's the change of heart. And you're, you know, there's so many things there uh, that are shifting uh, in terms of, well, I would say, like the progress of your faith. You are, you're moving away from being self-centered to being other-centered, right, or others-focused. Those worldly pre- pleasures that you've been chasing, they tend to, uh, they should be, you know, uh, falling away. There's just so much change that's taking place, whether it's, you know, like dishonesty to honesty, um, immorality to morality, right? Pride and arrogance to to humility, and so there's there's a there's definitely a heart change that's taking place, but it's not automatic. No, it's right? not. There's that's a, right. There's a progression in the faith, right? But that's why Jesus says, "Come and follow me." He yeah. doesn't expect you to know it the minute you start following him. You're going to follow him for a lifetime. And that transformation is going to happen for your whole life. It, it did for the first disciples. Three years they walked with Jesus. And yeah. you can just look in the Bible story after story where they were following along and they didn't get it. Mm-hmm. So Jesus never expects us to come to him perfect or fully formed disciples. That's why he says, follow me. Watch what I do. Do what I do. Yeah, And uh, that's that's the missing part of discipling someone else, mm. right, is somebody to say, come along, I'll show you how to do this along yeah. the way. Yeah. We could easily get caught up in comparing ourselves to other people, especially in this space. I mean, it can happen in all kinds of ways, but um, one of the best ways to be able to look and see your growth in Christ is not to compare yourself to someone else, but to compare yourself to your former self, right? If you're comparing yourself to your past self, uh, what you should see, there is a progression in the faith. There is growth uh, in the faith. And so uh, what do you? Th- what are those daily habits or what are those rhythms uh, in a disciple's life that are that are critical, that are key to uh, you know the further progression of the faith? Yeah. For me, and I think you've you say this all the time, uh, it starts with a daily time alone with the Lord. And so it's like the first thing I do every morning. I get up out of bed. I make coffee for myself and for Sarah. And then I go into my study and I read the Word of God. I spend time in prayer. I start my day like that. I get up early enough to be able to have that time. And you don't have to do it that way. It doesn't have to be the first part of your day. If your day can't work out that way, you're taking care of kids or you have to get to work, you can do whatever you need to do. But at some point during the day, uh, the disciple is connecting with the Lord on a personal level. It's looking into his word. It's 
uh, reflecting on what God's Word has to say to me, and then spending time in prayer and thoughtfulness about meditation, the Scripture calls it, about what Christ is teaching me through His Word. So that's that's a big part of it. Prayer's part of it. Connecting with other believers mm-hmm. is really important. So, you know, I teach a group on Sunday morning not because I feel like I have to spend hours every week getting ready for a group. And uh, I, I do it because I think it's really important for us as a group of believers to have a few other believers that we're meeting with on a regular basis, sharing some element of our life together, uh, studying God's Word together, getting to know one another, praying for one another, doing that connection with other believers. So that's important. Corporate worship is important. So coming together to uh, praise God, to lift our voices in, in music, to pray together, to hear the Word of God proclaimed from the pastor, uh, to bow in submission in response to that, all of that's important. Mm-hmm. Giving is important. So, uh, you know, as the Lord blesses me with possession, uh, knowing that Every blessing I have comes from the Lord, and so a part of what my routine is is to set aside part of that for the Lord, to return to Him the tithes and offerings uh, that that are His. So all of these things are a part of the rhythm of life of a disciple, you know, spending time in the Word, praying, spending time with other believers, worship, giving. And then there's service, finding the place to put my gift into service Mm -hmm. and missions and sharing the word. There's so many ways to express uh, discipleship uh, from those basic core uh, things that you're doing to grow. Man, you're hitting the list that I've got put together right here. Uh, You hit hit all of them. Just thinking about a disciple, um, obviously growing in the word, uh, you got to have a plan. You know, to be in the Word, we we push the Bible reading plan, and that's really important. One, because it just gives you an approach to reading the Bible that can keep you uh, on task. And it's not just checking the box, uh, but it's so helpful. I've really enjoyed our Navigator's reading plan this year. We have two passages in New Testament, two passages in the Old Testament. I'm using it this year, too. Yeah, It's great until you spend five chapters of First Chronicles all in one day. I'm like, okay, we've we've done that. Let's move on to something else. Now, there are, you know, there are days, just being completely honest, when I— you know, it's easy for me to get up. I am a morning guy. I, I get grab my coffee. We already have it set up. You know, the night before we got it on a timer, so we go in there, grab it, and then I grab my Bible and I start reading. And most days, it's uh, it is uh, it's it's easy to get in there, open it up. And but there are some days where it's a chore. You know, and what would you say to someone that's kind of more in that camp of like, man, I feel like every day it's a chore to uh, open up the Word and have the discipline to be in. Right. Well, first of all, I would say don't feel like you have to read any uh, certain amount of Scripture Mm. to spend time with the Lord. Find what works for you at that moment. It 
One of the things I did for a long time when I was struggling with it being a chore is I would read a psalm a day. If I could just read a psalm a day, I felt like that at least put me in the in a mood to be worshipful. Right. And so I was at least reading a psalm a day. And so I would say find some portion of Scripture, the life of Jesus or the Psalms or some other point in the in the Bible where you feel comfortable reading. And even if it's reading some of the same stuff over and over, every time you read it, the Lord will share something new with you. But work through that chore time until it becomes pleasurable. Right, right. So yep. it's— it's like working out right now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't look like it anymore, but I used to work out and run. And mm-hmm. most days it was a pleasure to go out and run or to work out. Uh, other days it was painful and a chore. But if you didn't even work out during the chore days, you know, you were never going to get to the days where it felt really good. Yeah. Well, you know, with the Bible reading plan, um, if you were to look at, you know, the little sheet that I have where I where I keep track, I'm I'm a good— month and a half behind. And a part of that is is because I have missed I have missed some some days, but also there have been times where uh I've just camped out on one particular passage where it's like I'm just I'm gonna stay here today. Yeah. You know, and spend my time there. And oftentimes I'll find myself with a particular psalm where that's what I'll do. I'll be like, man, I just really wanna I want to take my time on this. And then I'll use it. I gave this example a couple weeks ago. I'll use that psalm and I'll pray through it. You know, yeah, and so, uh, uh, and I think it was, uh, it was Spurgeon that said, "It's not how many times you've been through the Bible, but how many times the Bible's been through you." Yeah, the whole point isn't to check the box and to stay on schedule. Yeah. It is a plan to help you know what to read next when you're wondering what should I do next. That's right. Well, here's a plan. If you don't have anything else to do, do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if the Lord's speaking to you, if you're really motivated. Uh, to spend time in one passage of Scripture, don't move on. The Lord's teaching you something there. Yeah. Spend your time there. Yeah, yeah. And then you had brought up uh, just time with other believers. So that that group life is is so important. You know, there there are some who would say, you know, my my time with God is you know not not in a group setting or not in a church setting. It may be out in a deer stand or it may be out at you know wherever. You need what I would call all three elements. You need your time with God, which is you and God, but then you also need time with other believers, and then you also need that corporate worship time. That's you participating in corporate worship with the congregation. And so uh, what what would you say to that individual who says, you know, I'm a Christian, but the idea of of doing life with other Christians uh, is is hard to to consider. What, What are the benefits? of being in that small group setting with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. Well, the benefit becomes really obvious the day that you need somebody praying for you, mm-hmm. somebody that you know and trust and somebody you've seen pray for other people. And you say, today's going to be a really hard day. Uh, my wife has surgery or I'm going into a really difficult day at work, or I've lost my job, or my kid's really sick, or my dad just passed away. Mm -hmm. Every one of us face every one of those situations sooner or later in life. 
And if you go through it alone, it's a pretty lonely, painful experience. Mm -hmm. But having people that you've seen pray for and be there for other people know when you reach out to that group of people and you say, I need, I need some help today, that's, that's what we're there for, to carry one another's burdens yeah. and to uh, cry with someone, when, to weep with someone when they're mourning. Uh, to laugh with somebody when you're joyful. Who do you share your joy with? You share it with those people that you also share your your pain with. Right. Right. So yeah. it's it's partly that. It's also knowing that uh, the Bible says, you know, a, a twofold uh, a twofold uh, cord is easily is. Help me with that yeah. quote. <laughs> but a three a three chord strand is uh, not uh, easily not broken. Easily bro- yeah. yeah, I'm sorry for not being able to quote no. that. But the idea that comes to mind is you're a lot stronger yeah. when you're with other believers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Your your life is bound up with them, uh, and and that just makes you a stronger yeah. person. Now. That doesn't discount you want to go out on a deer stand and spend time in nature, and mm-hmm. that brings you close to God. That's that's great, too, but that's not the only part of the Christian experience. Right, right. So. You know, being in, you know, doing life with other Christians, uh, and we, you know, in our church setting, we call that groups. Um, it's it, It's messy, you know? It's... Uh, not, uh, there's just, you know, there can be personality clashes, you know, you're not going to get along with everybody, you know, there's just, there can be some awkwardness there, you know, and, uh, but at the end of the day, when you are able to find your small tribe of people, uh, there's support and accountability, right? There's encouragement and, uh, you're right. I feel like one of the hardest conversations I have with church members or people who go to our church are attenders. They don't have that small group of people around them when uh, something extremely difficult happens in their life, and they don't have that support group that they need. And so most of—Christine uh, and I talk about this often, you know, when you look back on your life and you see uh, pockets of tremendous spiritual growth in your own life, uh, for me, I can say— uh, that a hundred percent of those times, I had a good surrounding of other brothers and sisters in Christ in my life that were helping me progress in the faith. Yeah, uh, me too. So it's it's those times. I remember when I was a young pastor, I had a group of older men who would meet me on Monday morning, real early in the morning, and we'd pray together. And then we'd go have breakfast together, and we'd. Think about how did the day go yesterday and what's coming this week at church. And these are just uh, regular laymen who are just committed to being a part of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's so much strength to be drawn there, uh, especially as a young man. But then as I get older, I, I find it's so encouraging to spend time with younger people yeah. because that's like that's the next generation coming right. on. Yeah. So I want to spend time there. Mm-hmm. Right. I think as a disciple, the the more you you grow in knowledge and faith, uh, you see God is such a, a great giver. You know, like he think about what he has given us. He one, we have we have, 
you know, his presence. We also have his word. He's given us his word. He's given us, you know, his very best in his son, Jesus Christ. And so you have Christ has come for us. And then not only that, you receive the spirit, you know, you, he gives us the spirit as a, as a down payment for a future inheritance. And also the spirit uh, helps us navigate this life. Uh, but then he also gives us gifts to use, uh, to, uh, to serve. And so, uh, a disciple being able to understand and learn his or her gifts, but then be able to use those gifts uh, to serve other people is is quite powerful, you know. And so, uh, oftentimes uh, we can do a disservice to uh, a new believer, a new disciple, uh, in not sharing, not helping them understand what what gifts that they have that God's given them. Yeah. How important is it for? Uh, uh, for an individual to continue to grow as a disciple, uh, how important is it to be able to use use your gifts uh, in the benefit of that growing as a disciple? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Uh, when we share the gospel, a lot of times we stop at 2, 9. Mm-hmm. Uh, for by, uh, by grace you're saved by grace faith. By saved, you're saved by faith. Um uh, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. And you get to verse 10, and it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do. So in other words, he creates us uh, as a part of his workmanship. The word there is poema in Greek. We're like a poem. God creates when he speaks. Mm-hmm. He speaks and things come into existence. That's good. When he speaks us into existence, it's a poem. Yeah. It's like a creative thing that's really special. So he creates us with a poem in mind, and then he creates us and gifts us in a way that uh, he expects us to do some things with what he's given us. He doesn't expect us to do things that he doesn't gift us for. He equips us, prepares us, equips us for the work that he has in mind that we should do. Mm. So why has he given us a gift? Because he's got something in mind for you to do. If you're not using that gift, you're not doing what God had in mind for you to do. Mm -hmm. So it's real important to use those gifts, uh, to, to use them and you know, First Corinthians teaches we use them for the benefit of the church. They're not for my benefit. So I don't use my gifts to bring myself glory, mm-hmm. to bring myself, uh, you know, extra paycheck or something like that. We use our gifts to benefit the body of Christ. And uh, that's what God gifts us for. He gifts the body so uniquely uh, so that it can grow up and be a unique expression. That's one of the things— why the Glade is here, he's gifted a bunch of people mm-hmm. out here in the Glade in a real unique way to be a church that reaches this community and reaches the world from this community. Mm-hmm. And so we're not like any other church because he's gifted this body in a unique way to do his unique work from this place. Yeah, But it means we all have to participate in that. Mm-hmm. If you have a disciple that is participating in some of the things that we're talking about right here, growing in uh, encountering God's presence, growing in God's Word that He's given us, uh, participating in biblical community. We call them groups here. Uh, When they discover their gifts, they're using their gifts. 
uh, and they're sharing the good news, a part of that now, you know, you're really focusing on um, the other aspect of this, which is I'm growing as a disciple, and I'm also a part of this process of making disciples. But was it, why is it so intimidating to share uh, about Jesus? Yeah. Well, if you're serious about sharing about Jesus, you recognize that one of the things you're asking people to do is to uh, is to evaluate your claim mm-hmm. that Jesus has made a difference in your life. And so if you're living in a way that doesn't really look like Jesus is making a difference in your life, you have a hard time sharing with other people that's right. that Jesus makes a difference in your life. Yep. That's part of that cost of discipleship we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. too. We change not for our benefit, not to get saved better because right. the Lord saves us fully and completely. Mm-hmm. We allow the Lord to transform us not only to be what he wants us to be, but so that we're able to display his uh, work in our life to the world so that we help bring people to him. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've heard, uh, overheard a conversation that's taking place where, you know, someone in our church is sharing about, you know, how they're growing in the Lord, you know, like, man, this is what God's doing in my life. And the way that they're communicating to someone else is a form of discipleship because they're encouraging, inspiring you know, someone else uh, to to grow in whatever, you know, whatever it is specifically that they're talking about. And so when you see that happening, when you're progressing in the faith like that, uh, you see what Christ is doing uh, in your, what he's done and what he continues to do, um, you can't help but not talk about him. You're going to, you're going to talk about him, right? And so uh, with that, in sharing the good news, um, it, it is, you know, we say a part of our mission statement is, is we want to treasure Christ and courageously make Him known. Like, it takes courage to share about Christ. Um, we know that the the world is against Christ, and so it does take courage to share about Him. Um, but as you grow in the faith, um, that desire should be increasing for you to talk about Jesus. Right. You know, what are your... Uh, Thoughts on someone who is growing in the faith, uh, in understanding, you know, how God is working in their life. They're growing in the Word. They're in community with other believers. They're using their gifts. Um, they're talking about Jesus. They're sharing the good news. They're giving, you know, giving so much more than just financial giving. You know, here at the church, financial giving is important, but it's also like your time, you know, and your talent, going back to your gifts, when you understand those things and you're growing in those areas within your with your faith, um, that's really what you're replicating with others. Right. So it makes that making disciples piece a little bit easier to grasp and understand based on what you see in your own life. Right. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what you want to invite other people into. Uh, and probably why it's difficult for some people because they recognize they're not doing, they they know there's stuff they ought to do and they're not doing it. Uh, it doesn't mean they're any less loved or saved, but they know their life isn't really a reflection of what the Lord would have them to be. And so they resist inviting people into that life because you don't want they, you don't want other people to know right. what what's going on in your life. Yeah. So 
uh, part of being a disciple maker also is inviting people into the messiness of your life mm -hmm. to say, I, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. We'll figure some of this out together. Let's let's do this life together. Let's find a way to serve the Lord together. That's really as brave as anything to say, we're going to do this life together. You're going to see me do some things that are awful. And let's just admit when they happen, it, that was a mistake or that was sin. And we need to move on from that. Right. Oftentimes we think we got to be an expert right. before we can even begin. And that's not true at all. Like the journey is really together, side by side, uh, for support and accountability. Uh, and yeah, you may be a couple of steps ahead of someone that you're discipling. Uh, but, you know, a part of that process is uh, you're both growing right. in the faith. Well, I know you, you probably have a number of resources that you could recommend, but, you know, in terms of like being able to grow deeper in. Uh, our understanding of discipleship. What are some resources that you recommend? That's a good question. Uh, well, beyond, you know, daily for me, beyond using God's Word mm -hmm. every day, I also like to read a devotional. So there are some devotionals that I've returned to year after year. My utmost for his highest is a short read, but it's really deep. You could read it year after year, and there's something in there all the time uh, for uh, a, a believer to get and to grow deeper in. Uh, another resource, uh, Experiencing God Day by Day, it's the same kind of thing, a 365-day devotional. Or the one that— uh, we recently, the church recently gave to our graduating seniors by uh, uh, oh, Trip, Paul, John Paul, Paul Trip. Trip. Yeah, uh, that's the one I'm going through uh, this year. New Morning Mercies. It's uh, a a great uh, different approach to a devotional time that's really challenging me to think about, especially around the idea of grace and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I think about some of those core things, but I think it's it's good to read and consider uh, other uh, methods of discipleship, other ways of discipleship. I think of uh, the master plan of evangelism. Oh, yeah, Robert Coleman, right? Robert Coleman, mm -hmm. which is like, that's a classic book. But if anybody is really interested, it sounds like an evangelism book. It's really a key discipleship message. Yeah. And then I brought with me today, you know, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction by Eugene Peterson. Mm -hmm. And it's such a good book uh, to help a believer understand the journey we're on. That's that book. This book is all about the journey that disciples are on with Christ. Uh, and so that's a great a uh, great book to look at, too. Yeah, so. I really enjoyed that book. I, I read that for the first time, I think, two or three years ago. And I, when I finished it, I, I was like, where have you been all my life? You yeah. know, because it's been around for a while. It's been around yeah. long. This is the 20th anniversary edition, and it's over 20 years old. Yeah. So it's been around <laughs> a long time. Yeah. And uh, the uh, it's, it's a book that's built around the Psalms of Ascent. Mm -hmm. So the people of Israel going up to Jerusalem, mm -hmm. going to worship, drawing close to the Lord, that's the model it uses to talk about discipleship. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, that's good. That was definitely on my list. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Cost of Discipleship, um, had a huge impact on me several years ago. And then also uh, John Stott, uh, Basic Christianity. Right. 
is is a phenomenal uh, read. And if, you know, if you're at the point in your life where you have questions about what does it mean to be a Christian, what does it mean to enter into this relationship, mm. to even read something like Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, yes, that really lays out a very rational uh, understanding of what it means to make a commitment to the Lord, what a what a great resource that is, mm-hmm. especially for somebody who's struggling with the faith or new in their faith. Yeah. Well, you know, I feel uh, a burden. Uh, there's definitely a, a weight for the the role that I have here. Uh, I want to see discipleship really take off and hit that next level for us here at the Glade Church. And uh, this is really important to me, uh, to be able to help people uh, that— I'm responsible for here at the Glade Church to prioritize uh, prayer, Bible reading, worship, you know, seeking intimacy with God, and really have a good, strong grasp of what it means to be a disciple. And as they see uh, progression in their own faith journey, um, there is this natural next step to help someone else in their faith journey, making disciples. And so, and that's you know, that's what Jesus gives us, right, with the Great Commission. Right. I, I love seeing baptisms in our church where you have a dad baptizing their son or daughter. Yeah. And you know that in that family, those parents, that dad, that mom, have made a difference in that child's life. Yeah, they heard the gospel at church, maybe in VBS or at camp. They made a decision, but it's really been confirmed and taught. Uh, day after day at home. Mm-hmm. So one of the roles that you have as a mom or a dad is to be that disciple for your kids, uh, to live that life right in front of them. They're they're following you, uh, whether you intend for them or not. That's great. That's that is a good word, Bill. Thank you so much for being a part of this today. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's good to talk to you about this. A lot of uh, a lot of fun, and I think about this all the time. So it's a it's a good one. Yeah. Well, hey, be sure to hit that subscribe button and invite your friends to listen and share uh, this particular episode on social media. And if you are new, uh, you don't know much about the Glade Church. Let me encourage you to go to thegladechurch.org and send us a message. Again, thanks for joining us. This is Mark Satterfield.